Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 108 of Yoga Land. I keep wondering as I say the episode number at the beginning of an episode if I should start over with number one because it just starts to feel weird to say such a big number. I mean, I know there are so many other podcasts out there that have much bigger numbers, so it's not that weird, but it just feels a little weird to me. Anyway, welcome to episode two of our summer series, Creating a Sustainable Yoga Practice. Today, we're going to focus on social media. And the focus is really how to stay sane and enjoy social media. This is something I've wanted to talk about for a while. I feel like there was a time where I really had to coax Jason toward kind of enjoying it. So I've been in this coaching kick around social media for a while. I have also managed all of our different accounts, although Jason does the writing for his accounts. But we we do have many different accounts, and I have come to the conclusion that it's really behooves most of us to spend most of our time and energy on one account just to stay sane and pick the one that you enjoy the most. So for right now, anyway, Jason and I seem to be enjoying Instagram the most. That's where we spend most of our time and energy, and that's really the focus of this conversation. Before we start with the conversation, I just want to remind you that if you are not on our newsletter list, you probably want to jump on. There's just all kinds of great things that are included in our newsletter that we don't include anywhere else. So you can subscribe to it by going to our homepage, jasonyoga.com and hit subscribe, enter your email, click the box, do all the things that you do to sign up for a newsletter and you will receive our fabulous content and love every two weeks, about every two weeks, not more than every two weeks. Okay. Enjoy the conversation with Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I am feeling a little, a little scattered. We're about to start the summer kid break, which means there's just a lot, a lot going on. A lot going on. A lot going on. Yeah. So to help us focus, we're going to talk about how to use social media and stay sane yeah. today. Yeah. This is something. This assumes that I use social media and or that I am sane. Right. Right. The first one is true. Yes. The second one. Questionable, especially when you're one, using social media. Yeah. Second one uh, vacillates. Right. Yeah. So I've thought about this topic for a while. Yeah. I think I've like even pitched this topic to you for a while to try to get you to bite. Mm-hmm. I talked about this a little bit. When I did um, a presentation recently for your teacher trainees. Pause. Everyone, Andrea Ferretti did a presentation for my teacher trainees. Yay! Yeah. Andrea Ferretti came, came out in public. Yeah. And, and talked. Yeah. You did it for module two. Yes. And I don't know if you know, but you are scheduled back for module three. <laughs> You're in it now. I'm in it to win You're it, baby. It. You're yeah. in it. You're part of the whole thing. Yes. Yeah. It's fun. It's good. The takeover is happening. <laughs> My plan to, to to just keep creating an empire. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm all about. That's totally what you're all about. <laughs> so this came up. I can't even remember the context in that conversation. But one of the things I said that I think resonated with people, so I'll start here, is identify your triggers on social media and don't follow accounts that trigger you. Yes. It's just a very normal human thing that in this context of seeing the highlight reel of other people's lives, mm-hmm. that it might trigger you to feel either jealous or 
just less than. Or even that you have to care. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's sort of it's sort of the nature of seeing highlights is when you see highlights time and time again, it, it starts to become a little bit of a self-fulfilling thing where you start to pay attention to and care about things that you don't actually care about. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's one of the ways in which media so powerfully manufactures interest. Mm-hmm. Right? It is a it is really powerful and it's easy to forget that social media is a media and that we are prone to influence and we start to become engaged and we start to care about things that that deep down we have actually no interest in. Yeah. So this sort of stepping back and rolling back and saying, you know, these 100 people I'm following or 200 people or 300 people, however many people are you following, are you actually interested in the content that they are presenting? And I would say, if not, don't follow. You can you can unfollow. I can assure everyone, I get all sorts of unfollows every day of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So limiting yourself to the content that, that doesn't trigger those unnecessary yeah. social anxiety discomforts within yourself. Right. I think really just being honest about yeah. it. And then, like you said, just not feeling bad about unfollowing someone or something that brings out something in you that you're not comfortable with or you just don't need to bring into your life on a day-to-day basis. Yes. Because let's face it, we're addicted. Yeah, <laughs> to a certain totally, extent. totally. You know, it's just there. Totally. Can I can I say another thing about, the tr- about sort of avoiding triggers, mm-hmm. which is when I was sort of younger and single, I didn't really go out that much anyways because it never gone out. But I've sort of always thought like, not much good is going to happen after 2 a.m. outside. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not much good is going to happen in that situation. I sort of feel the same way about social media and nighttime. I know that for me, that if we've put Sophia to bed, if it's nighttime, I'm tired, I am more likely to get in my head and jealous and insecure or whatever it is, if it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm randomly looking through Instagram, you know? So for me, I pretty, I break it once in a while, but I pretty much have a after dinner phones in the other room policy. Mm -hmm. There's a student of mine, a lot of people know named Adam Hustler. Okay. And Adam Hustler does, you know, he's, does great on social media and he, he really loves it. He has two phones and the phone that he has his Instagram account tied to, 6 p.m., done. Mm-hmm. And then the, the only phone he uses from 6 p.m. until, you know, morning, uh, there are no apps on it. The mm-hmm. only thing is it's his phone number in case someone needs to get a hold of him. Oh, wow. That's you know what smart. I mean? Like, like that's mm-hmm. the line that he's drawn mm-hmm. to make sure that he's not overworking, but mm-hmm. also... So that he's not getting into getting into the weeds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. I I heard the other day on a, on a podcast that Instagram is going to start creating. I don't know somehow they've got the technology and they're going to roll it out where you get to see your amount of usage. And I think that's a little dangerous for them to do because I think when we see how much time we spend on that particular app, I hope so. I hope they do too yeah. because I think I will limit myself. It's an a accountability lot more. Me- measure. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's sort of like eating, it's like edging a cake. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, or eating, eating like crumbs. Yeah, it's true. You know, Just, it's sort of. Or eating like a cake with your fingers. Yeah. I think that because, because a lot of times the way people are engaging with social media is all these little in-between times. Yes, absolutely. We don't really realize how much time is being dedicated to it. Yeah. And so we're maybe don't hold ourselves accountable for using that medium in a way that is more reasonable. Yeah, more productive and, yeah. and actually more inspiring. You know, yeah. I find that if I use it too much, I just, I, it's just, I can't take it in anymore. So I'm just like scrolling, 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 scrolling. It's not actually inspiring. It becomes a white noise thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a way to cope with my unconscious boredom. That's also another reason to pair down how many people you are following of a certain archetype, right? So th there's the sort of yogis of Instagram archetype of beautiful person, beautiful body, beautiful place, beautiful photo, right? But it's not oh, just, just- Stop talking I know, about right? me. I know. But, <laughs> but, and those aren't bad things, you know what I mean? But like, it's not just- the white noise of watching a person that fits that category, but all 70 people <laughs> that fit that category. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at that point, if we want to use it as inspiration, like even if that is the type of thing we find inspiring, for me, it's not, but I understand that for many people it is. Even if it, that is the type of thing that we find inspiring, then paring it down so that it doesn't seem so commonplace. Yeah. Right? I mean, like- when the amazing person doing the beautiful thing on a paddleboard that is virtually impossible is just another thing right. that doesn't drum up any interest, yeah. then it's this, uh, we really have ent entered the society, the spectacle. Yeah. And if anyone gets the Gita board reference there. On the flip side of this, I would say, do find people to follow that you are inspired by. And- you don't have to keep them within a narrow window of interest. Right. So I talked about with the, the trainees, um, when I started on Instagram, having been at Yoga Journal for so long and working on photo shoots and models and all these things for so long, I actually didn't start following yoga people for years. Yeah. I just didn't think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mostly followed interior designers yep. because I just love looking at interior exactly. design illustrators because I love illustration what photographers you know like photographers. David Martinez yeah. yeah so so I kind of I follow a lot of people who can do things that I can't or will never yeah. do and have lives that I don't and will never have and to me it's just like a fascinating oh I I follow I follow a lot of travel journalists you know people who are in faraway places yeah. digging up stories that are fascinating to me to me, that's like the beauty of this technology. I think too, it's like, it's sort of, I know that for me, I went for a very long time where not only was I practicing yoga all the time, not always, not only was I reading about yoga all the time, but I was teaching yoga. Like everything was so exclusively oriented around yoga that I lost all my hobbies, you know? And so I think that this is sort of another place where those, the other arts or the other hobbies that we have 
this becomes an opportunity for us to engage with them. You know, like I haven't skateboarded in a long time. It's been 15 years at least. But the main things that I watch on Instagram are skateboard videos, Mm -hmm, like to mm -hmm, this day. mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because to me, it's still way more interesting to watch skateboarding than to watch someone do handstand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So again, I, but I, some of that I think is a little bit about the things that we gain inspiration from change. And I think sometimes too, is that when you're, let's say when you're able to do something, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to, trying to say is like the watching yoga postures to me is out of context and it's already the thing that I spend a lot of time doing. Mm-hmm. And I would rather watch, look at people do yoga postures in my class so that I can provide them feedback. You know what I mean? Like I, anytime someone's doing yoga, I want to be able to engage directly with it. So I don't follow many yogis who aren't also my friends. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to follow yogis who are my actual friends and then people that are more along lines of my hobbies and my other interests. It's mm-hmm. really important that we cultivate those other interests in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess I want to add to that a couple of things. Um, I said I didn't follow yogis when I started using Instagram, but I do now. And that's because I found people in doing things in the yoga world that I think are inspiring. Like Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. You know, like I found Nicole Shaka, who I worked with years ago on a yoga journal set, and her account is just funny and down to earth. And she's a mom. Totally. She posts like quotes that make me laugh. And I like her Instagram stories and things like that. So I definitely have found people who I do follow in yoga right now. And that's just one thing I wanted to just say. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the other thing is, I truly do think that following other accounts that aren't necessarily within your career or, you know, within yoga can inspire you when you're creating yoga content. Yeah. Right. So I just, um, I mean, this is just part of like working in a magazine and being a content creator. When we would get together for our yearly features brainstorm, we mostly, you know, we would sit around, we would bring in fleshed out ideas. We would bring in lots of magazines to look at. We didn't just bring in yoga magazines. Like we brought in Oprah and we brought in, you know, fitness magazines and we brought in Tricycle, the the Buddhist magazine. We we brought in things that just inspired us Mm -hmm. to think about our lives and to think about what was meaningful to us and to think about what, what we could add to a conversation. Right. So even though I follow designers and I'm never going to be a designer, something that they, they post might just might give me, I wish I had an example at my fingertips right now. I don't, but might inspire me when I'm creating my own content. Yeah. I think that there is, I'm going to go on something weird that might make no sense for a moment. Okay. I was listening to a podcast. It was not this podcast, but you know what? Once in a while you do yoga glow classes that are not mine, (laughs) which is shocking. So like every 18th day, I listen to a different podcast. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was listening to a podcast about sports specific training. And it was about this, it was, they were interviewing this really high level trainer. And anyway, sort of the bottom line of this was he was saying, I do not advocate for sports-specific training. I advocate for good training, and that will relate to your sport inherently. 
but that you don't have to, and that it's actually not a very good thing to, if you are a baseball player, do specific things that are replicating the swing, or if you're a golfer to do certain weight training that's replicating the swing. Do things that are really good and comprehensive in and of themselves, and then when it's time to train your sport, just do your sport. And so what I'm where I'm getting at is there is an inherent value to being inspired. You don't have to be inspired by someone that is in your exact milieu. Yeah. You don't have to be inspired. And there's also, there's, you know, I'm sort of thinking of graphic design, right? Like there's inherent value in something that is aesthetically beautiful Mm -hmm. and pleasing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a visual medium and thoughtful and and Mm well-designed, you know? And that when I see people doing something really well, that makes me want to do something really well. Right. You know, and it doesn't, And that thing being done well doesn't have to be in my trade. In fact, it might trigger some of my insecurities if it's in my trade. Mm -hmm. It's more likely to trigger some of my stuff if it's too close to home, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, so the graphic artist or whatever it is to see those things, like there is just inherent and transcendent value in something being done well. Yeah, and I, us appreciating it, you know, I think that there's there's such a there's a lower and lower and lower priority being put on quality in, as we've gone through the modern years of quantity, mm-hmm. you know. So to see something be executed well, I mean, even literally, if it's just like packaging, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like like a really well designed package, well, like, like for a new, product, the new coffee at. Um, pinhole, have you noticed it? The packaging is so I don't beautiful. Like it. You don't? Okay. Mm. I like it. It's like palm tree kind yeah. of. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um so I, no, that's, I think you said that well, and I think you articulated kind of what what I was trying to yeah. express. I believe that part of gauging in social media should be a creative process. I I think that's really the only way to enjoy it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so whatever is going to inspire your creativity Mm -hmm. is going to make it a more enjoyable process. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. And I think that the people, the sort of Instagram, I, I, I think, I don't think it's bad to say sort of the Instagram yogis, not just the yoga teachers that have Instagram accounts, but the yoga teachers that have sort of come up and that have leveraged the sort of higher level Instagram. Yeah. Am I, is this a reasonable thing to be saying? I think so. They're really good at what they do. Yeah. They're visually really creative. They're posturally really creative. The lighting, the camera, you know what I mean? Like they're just hats off to their skill sets for executing what they do. You know, someone comes to mind. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, but someone like Laura Sakura comes to mind. Like, yeah, she's she's just really amazing at what she does. Yeah. You know, and and so. And she clearly loves doing it or she wouldn't still be doing it. Yeah, she's I would guess as still much, but so consistently. Yeah. So consistently. Yeah. And that is a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have sort of another thing along the live the line of staying sane. Okay. Which is for everyone that is consuming and engaging with social media to remember it's media. And like all media, media is not a comprehensive reflection of one's life that media like everything else is it is truthful and accurate in ways 
and it is inherently incomplete and it is also scripted in other ways. Mm -hmm. You know, like it is this very thinly curated, sliced piece of someone's existence. And so what we have to remember is when we're seeing someone's account that looks beautiful and amazing, that doesn't mean that the entirety of that person's existence is beautiful and amazing. And therefore you are not living up to that person's awesomeness. And therefore you are sad and pathetic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's, and it's up to us. Like, I don't think that it's up to the content creator to show one's whole life. No, I don't either. I, I think, think we it's talk more about that. You know, like mm -hmm. it's really up to us as consumers, right? Like if I was watching TV and I was like, oh, I want to live in New York City in the 90s with my friends and, and, and not really work and go to the cafe all day. Like, oh my God, that life is so awesome. I'm an idiot. Chandler had a job. <laughs> I don't know what. And, and but I you mean, know what my point Rachel is like. worked in the cafe. That's true. <laughs> but the point is, is it's not NBC's job to to create a show that is a total reflection of the human experience. I, it would probably be an awesome show if they had the skill to do it. But it's my job as a media consumer and as a yogi to have the discernment to understand what is media and what is also the human condition. And the human condition is transcendent. We're all more or less living pretty similar internal landscapes. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to know, like, not everyone has, like, every moment is a packed class and every moment is this amazing beach and every moment is, yeah, you know. And I think, I guess to add to that, <clears throat> I think that, like you said, that doesn't mean that if you are not comfortable sharing personal details, that doesn't mean that you quote unquote should share, no. share personal parts of your life. But I do think if you're a person who, again, notices that these things trigger you, then follow people who do show more vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Follow people who, do, you know, I'm pretty, I'm like pretty, what you see is what you get. You get to change the channel. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's it, a, it's a big internet. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, there's a lot out there. So, and I see it once in a while, like I'll see a lot of sort of what I think of as uh, backlash posts. And I think the backlash posts are fine, but I think it's preferable to just watch the show that you want to watch. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I'll, I think also like yoga is going to be fine. Yoga, you, we don't have to try to save yoga or save people's understanding of yoga. We can just select what we want to select. And that's that. Right. And I, I mean, I guess, again, just like sort of adding on, I, you know, you and I have very different accounts. We have, we have very different jobs. Yeah. And we have very different accounts. And I think, I, I mean, I'm a storyteller. Like yeah. that's who I am yeah. and that's where I'm comfortable. And I've always been that way. And so I don't mind t being pretty transparent about who I am. And I still include, you know, family pictures and mm -hmm. I just think it's important for me. It's like the only way that I feel at all genuine is to just like, just to actually share all those different parts. Yeah. You, your account is very much a reflection of you. you I'm a storyteller too, but it's different. You, but, but in your life, you are close to like, you know, very close to a few people. Yeah. And 
you're gregarious and like and friendly with other people, but you're more reserved. I'm not that social. Yeah. 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 So I feel like your account is genuine to you. Totally. And you don't necessarily share some of the things that I might share on my account. Yeah. Like to me, teaching yoga is very personal. And I think I teach in a people that people that are ongoing students of mine know that, you know, when people don't know me that well, they know like I'm a technical vinyasa teacher. When you get to know me a little bit better, you realize that everything I teach comes from my inner experience of doing this work, right? And so I feel like my teaching is deeply personal and deeply intimate, but I don't share that many personal stories. It's more like I feel like my teaching is me representing the truth of this discipline as I see it. But but I'm not going to share as many personal anecdotes. Yeah. It's just that the nature of how I teach is colored by my interpretation of the practice. Yeah. So I think the takeaway, I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is, and we, it's just like sounds so trite, because, but, but it's the truth, is really just try to be yourself. Again, this goes back also to seeing your platforms as an outlet for creativity you can actually start a social media account and think, oh, I'm just being myself. I'm going to write this, this, and this. And then six months later, you're like, oh, that wasn't really, I was actually trying to only post beautiful pictures of flowers or I was only trying to. And so your voice and being yourself will develop over the length of, of time that you're, you're, yeah. you're consistently posting and that you have the account and, and just allow for that. But the truth of the matter is that even if this is a business account, if things are too put on, you'll get so tired of doing it. Yes. And you it, you you won't be able to keep up the facade. I mean, and, and so, you know, we often hear like, be yourself, everyone else is taken. But it's really true because you can't take someone else's role or right. or persona in this in this medium you it requires you to update often and it's just you'll burn out you'll just burn out when you're a yoga teacher and you are creating an account you're creating content for the account you have to expect that someone that sees your content might actually show up in your class and so there should be some continuity there that's the other thing if if all I did was show me doing really hard poses, then I'm creating uh, a certain set of expectations that that's what people are going to experience when they come to class. And when people come to my class, that may or may not be the truth, right? Yeah. And so you that's another reason why you want to make sure that your content is an accurate reflection of you and your belief system and your values. Because if you don't do that, like you said, it, you're going to burn out. Yeah. But also, if you're curating an audience, you want to make sure you're curating an audience that is actually the audience that you want to curate. Yeah. You know, that is, is going to actually be there for you. I'd say another thing along these lines, which is as a yoga teacher... I don't think you should say something online that you would not say in class. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And in some ways, what you say online, just it has broader reach. And it's always going to be a lot of a little bit out of context, right? So I say this all the time to my teacher trainees. I say, look, 
you cannot control how people hear what you say. You can't control how people hear what you say in a class, but you surely can't hear control how people read and interpret what you say out of context and social media. And so if you are a yoga teacher, you want to remember that your account is personal, but it's also a professional extension of who you are in the room. And so you have to be clear and respectful and uncomfortable, uncomfortable with whatever it is. That and you, if yeah. you are, if you are me, like I am plenty contrarian at times, but I think that I am contrarian and I have an opinion. I'm contrarian and I have an opinion, but I try to articulate that in a very tactful way. So again, just as a teacher, you want to make sure that anything you're writing online would be something you are totally comfortable saying to 20 or 30 people in a room mm -hmm. that you don't know. Mm -hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. 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 And there are some people who, like I said, I keep my personal and my professional account together just under Andrea Ferretti. I, I have a Yogaland account and I direct it toward Andrea Ferretti because I don't have the bandwidth to keep up two accounts. But there are people who do have two accounts and you could keep a personal account and a teaching account. Yeah. And you could even, you could tell more personal things on your personal account and people, if people don't want to follow that, they don't have to. I would suggest you if you- could keep it private. That's what I was going to say. You know, and yeah. just, just have your friends mm -hmm. on your very personal account if that's, if that's a good form of expression for you. Yes. Yeah. Another one, and because you said, remember that social media is inherently media, I would also add, remember that it's inherently social, meaning do take the time to, to interact with people. Yeah. I am always so heartened. Like when I see someone's post and I just put little heart emojis or I really do try to comment or, or just put emojis if, if something is like inspiring or I'm happy to see that someone had some kind of successful thing. and. I'm always heartened by, I will often see that person a few days later, like comment on my account. And I don't think it's disingenuous. No. I think it, that it, we, yeah, we yeah. are, I'm we're human. And, and we are, are happy when someone acknowledges us. And that's why we're doing this in the first place. Totally. It's, and we lift each other up, like a little comment, a little emoji, something actually can really brighten a person's day. Yeah, like once in a while, I'll have people say like, "Oh, you know, I do, I do this for me, and and I don't, I don't, I don't check how many people liked a certain thing or comment." I don't believe it. I don't believe that for a second. I don't. If that was the case, then just, you know, then just write in your diary. Yeah. yeah. You know, but if we're publishing something, then I think that there is an inherent desire to have to see how the world thinks about that thing, right? I don't think we would put ourselves into the feedback loop if we didn't value the feedback or if we didn't have some attachment or desire around that feedback. I don't think that we would. 
And so remembering that other people feel this way too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if we post something and we're hopeful that people will appreciate that content, then when other people are posting, it's because they're hopeful that someone will engage and appreciate that content too. Mm-hmm. And so to to be reciprocal, I am not. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, I, I, I mean, I'm sort of joking when I say this and I'm, but I'm mostly not joking is that when it comes to texts, when it comes to phone calls, and when it comes to social media, I'm not very good at responding. It's like a little bit of a, a social anxiety. Like I have a little bit of a social media anxiety. Like it, it just internally sometimes can feel like it takes so much energy mm. to continue in the conversation that I just, I really struggle to do it. I don't struggle having a conversation if I am one-on-one with someone. I don't struggle having a conversation if I'm teaching a class. I have a very difficult time having conversations in almost any other context, Mm -hmm. you know, and the social world, you know, when people think about social anxiety, they always think about in terms of social groups. Well, the social atmosphere is much bigger than it used to be because it, it now includes digital interaction. So I have a hard time. There are days too where I can't look at email or email gives me anxiety, you know, where I can do other work things, but, but the thought of having to sort of be reciprocal and interactive, Mm -hmm. I don't have that in me at Mm -hmm. that moment, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's something that I, here's one of the things is I share what I struggle with because I assume if I struggle with something, there are a lot of other people that struggle with that thing, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, I think it's really important to be reciprocal and it's something, and it's something that for some people is really hard. Yeah. You know, like it's really hard. Whereas, whereas for many other people, um, we sort of think about it like introversion and extroversion, right? I am social media introverted. Mm-hmm. There are some people who are social media extroverted, you know, that really genuinely enjoy and, are f- and get energy from the interaction. Yeah, I, it's weird that I mean, I basically am, but that's, I mean, that makes sense. I've, I've always been a writer, so it's always been a medium, right? That distance yeah. Medium is one I've always been a part of. And the distance with, medium, so. I have a harder time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think probably you're healthier in day-to-day real world interactions than I am. So. Oh, I don't, I don't think. Right, well, yeah. Anyway, well, well, let me, let me check the scoreboard for another, <laughs> for another conversation. I just have two more points that I want to make before we wrap up. The first is, you know, I, I'm sure you get asked sometimes how do I build my audience? How do I build my audience? How do I build my audience? And I have a response to that. I'm wondering if you have a response to that. I don't really know how to build an audience. I really don't. I mean, there because there are so many accounts that don't have big audiences that I think are really good. Yeah. And there are also so many accounts that I don't think are particularly interesting that have big audiences. Also, if we're really honest, I mean, we don't want to go that far, but there's a lot of people that buy audiences. Yeah. So it's very difficult to, I don't know how to do it. I know how I've done it, but I don't, I don't know how to do it other than find a couple of categories that you are really passionate about 
and be consistent with posting content around those categories. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? And then do the other things that any build your audience social blog will tell you, which is you have to use the right hashtags, you have to engage, you have to follow certain people. But I, I'm not, this is a place I'm not very good. Well, it was a little bit of a trick question. Okay. Because my my thought on it is yes, do those things that you mentioned and then and then focus on the audience that you do have. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there are some people who have benefited from having huge accounts. Most and, don't. But most don't. Most don't. And especially like if you're not a person who wants to be selling fab fit fun boxes or yeah. tummy tea, yeah. then it doesn't you know, you're, the number of followers at a certain point isn't really going to matter. It's sort of looking at the quality of the engagement and the people, um, you know, whether or not your audience <laughs> seems to resonate with you in a genuine way, I think is is just as important. So I was talking about this concept in our last, in the module three in London. Uh, and one of our students, Jennifer, brought up, and she didn't know like, exactly where she had heard this or seen this, but sort of the idea, the concept of a thousand real followers, you know, that if you have a thousand, think about that. Yes. A thousand people who are sitting in an auditorium listening to you. Right. You would flip out. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So one of the things to remember along these lines is the vast, if you're a yoga teacher, the vast majority of people that like, or that comment on your feed will never be your in-class or in-training student for any number of reasons, right? And you don't need 40,000 or 20,000 or 1,000 people. You can't get 1,000 people on your retreat, Mm -mm. right? (laughs) So we get sort of duped by that top line and we, we sort of overvalue that top line when what we should be highly valuing is exactly what you're bringing up, which is our real audience, the people that know us, the people that come to our classes, the people that want to come to our classes. And I'll also just sort of say this, which is I've been on the business side of yoga for a long time. It's still word of mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, that's still what I rely on. Mm -hmm. I'm a word of mouth teacher. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe. I'm not just word of mouth in terms of people hearing about me. I'm word of mouth in terms of people actually coming to a training or coming to a this or that hundred mm-hmm. percent, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a really good point is focus on the people that are following you, not the people that are not following you. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of a podcast I did with Deborah Berkman a while ago, at least a year ago. I'll, I'll put it on the show notes page. And she talked about how early on in her career, she showed up to teach a class. And I think there were two people there and she was just so bummed out. And, you know, the thought goes through your head of like, oh, should I even teach this class? And she taught the class and she said one of the people from that class has turned out to be one of her most regular students comes on her retreats, you know, has done all these things with her. I think maybe became a private student for a while and is a good friend. And it's like that. I love that story. I mean, that is really a, a great example of of focusing on the people that are right in front of you. I would be bummed. And then literally, I would say I would get into a little. I'm actually not as competitive as as I pretend to be from time to time. But I would say to myself, these two people are going to have the best damn yoga class they've ever had. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is going to be the best thing that they've ever done. Yeah. I would totally psych myself into that. Yeah. 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 What was the one more? You had one okay, more. Okay. My last thing is yeah. I want to give people an assignment and okay. follow Jason slash. No. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not about us. It's about you. So years ago, I actually, I took an Instagram little course, course with yeah. someone who I really like, Holly Becker. And I did it just to get myself to kind of get more consistent with my account. And I learned a lot. And one of the thing, one of the assignments she had us do is what I would like to have you do, which is to take a selfie. I had never posted a photo of myself on my account before. I thought to myself when this assignment came through, why, why do I have to do this? I don't want to be like every other yoga person. I'm not going to do yoga poses on my account, which now it's so funny because I do. Well, maybe this is your assignment. That's very uncomfortable. I know, but okay. here's the thing. It's less relevant with your account, but I would say a lot of us have our account and it's like little things of our everyday life, uh, our dog, our, the flowers in our front yard, these things, that's lovely. But when you scroll through someone's account and you don't see a picture of them, don't you want to see a picture of them? Yeah, I do. You do. Yeah. You totally do. You want to be like, who? I want to see this person's and face. And then I would be like, why are they taking a selfie? Really? No, I'm joking. God. No, I'm joking. No, I, no. okay. So this assignment for me was really, really hard. It was actually excruciating. It was awful. I really thought it was silly. And then I did it and I was like, it, it opened up a whole new world for me of just being able to show myself and just my real self in a picture. Now, granted, I did like do my hair for the picture and I put on lipstick, which I do not do in my day-to-day -day life. So you can Once take- Once in a while you do. But on, you know, like right yeah. now, I'm not, but, but the point is do what you have to do to make yourself feel comfortable, but show yourself on your feed. I have a couple of like little tips about this. So when you're holding the camera up, when you're holding the camera up, like turn in a circle because, and look at yourself in the camera to find the best light. You will be shocked by the differences in light in just turning in a circle. Or if you can try to find some natural light. So have your camera toward a window to pick the flattering angles people. And then, you know, don't be afraid to edit your photo using the filters or using an app. I use VSCO. I think it's great. I actually don't edit my photos as much, but for the first time you do it, definitely do it. And, or if you're really uncomfortable, get together with a friend and have them take several photos of you, but just do it. Go post a selfie and use the hashtag Yogaland stories and I'll go in and comment on all of them and love them all. That's it. Great. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Okay, I am excited to see your selfies. I hope I get to see your selfies. I hope you trust me if you are a person who is not stoked to put up a selfie the way I felt the first time. This is actually a really nice way to do it because everyone else who has put one up will find yours using the hashtag Yogaland Stories and we will all support each other and comment about how nice it is to see each other's faces. I will put show notes for this episode at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 108. And as always, if you're enjoying the episode, please feel free to leave an iTunes review. It's always helpful and helps more people find the podcast, or you can share it with a family member or a friend or your social media audience. Okay, guys, until next week, enjoy your practice.